The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours here on ESPN. 106.7 inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. I uh, hope you're all doing well on what is another beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Is it a little bit cooler outside today or maybe I'm just crazy I don't know I had a couple of errands to run uh during lunch today and I was like you know I don't want to die when I walk outside I don't want to just run right back inside when I felt the heat outside it's still hot don't get me wrong it's still hot but it's not as bad as it has been and maybe I'm just going crazy I don't know but uh, again hope you're all doing well on a wonderful Tuesday here on ESPN 106.7 great show uh, on tap for you today had a really good show yesterday and excited to do it again once here today um Lots to talk about. We need to get caught up on everything else going on in college football. All right, we talked a lot of Auburn Cal yesterday. We'll talk some more about that later on in the show today. Go in a little bit deeper, talk about what happened, why it happened, and uh, what Auburn can do moving forward. We've got Samford coming to town this weekend, does Auburn. So um, we, we, you know, we can kind of look at what Auburn can do in this prenup game before going on the road once again to Texas A&M, which again, that game doesn't look as scary as it did a few weeks ago, and we're going to talk about why in just a second. So I know we talked briefly about some of the results from week two in college football, but I want to go into those just a little bit deeper because there are some big results that I think are going to play massive uh, roles and have big implications down the road uh, this season in college football. So We're going to talk about those things today, and we'll start the show off with that, plus a little bit of NFL talk. Um, I know everybody saw it last night, whether you were watching the game or scrolling through Twitter, social media, or watching or listening uh, to to ESPN or whatever it is today. Um, the, The biggest news in the sports world right now is what happened in New York last night between the Jets and the Bills um, with Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. We're going to talk about that in just a second as well. Plus, I've got Hugh Freeze's press conference from yesterday. want to have you uh, take a listen to that. We'll play that later on in this hour as well. Um, I got multiple questions in. Dan got questions in. Bill, uh, a ton of people that you know. Everybody goes uh, on Mondays and, and talks with head coach Hugh Freeze for Auburn football. So I've got that presser I want to play for you in case you have not heard it yet. Uh, and then later on in the hour or in hour number two, we'll talk about that press conference, go into a deeper dive on Auburn and Cal and then it's Tuesday which means double D Daryl Dapperts will join us in the second hour as well we'll get his thoughts on Auburn versus Cal some of these other results going on in college football and what Auburn fans can expect moving forward for this team so 
It should be a really, really good show today. Uh, Auburn has practice this afternoon, so as soon as I'm done here, I will beeline over to the other side of town uh, and get over to the football facility and uh, get the media viewing window for practice, uh, see what's going on, get some updates, hopefully on some injuries uh, that Hugh Freeze talked about yesterday in his presser. So uh, that's what I'll be doing today. We'll talk about that tomorrow on Rivalry Wednesday. But until we play some of the audio from Hugh Freeze's press conference, phone lines are open. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you on a Tuesday afternoon, 334-321-1390. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. What are your thoughts about, uh, if you if you want to go ahead and talk some Auburn Cal, let's do it. Uh, some, some of your boldest takes and really just your takeaways from week two of college football because, as I mentioned, there were there were some big results and some big games and some surprising results as well. Uh, so your biggest takeaways from week two of college football or your takeaways from week one of the NFL season. Would love to uh, would love to get your thoughts on that as well here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390. Again, we are inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Um, and just a reminder that the Plaza Bar and Lounge is your Tiger pregame destination for all fans on Saturdays during the fall. Home of the original Warburger, the Plaza Bar offers an easy and exciting menu to go along with fantastic drink specials. Enjoy the kid and dog friendly Plaza Patio uh, while keeping up with all of the other football action leading up to kickoff inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturdays. So located at 800 Main Street in Midtown off of Opelika Road, the Plaza offers happy hour from 4 to 6 every weekday so don't forget about that Sunday brunch as well before you leave town Tiger fans the Plaza Bar and Lounge your pregame stop in Auburn again give me a call 334-321-1390 when you look at some of the results from week two in college football okay there were we know the highlight games right we know uh by the way by the way have you seen the viewership numbers from from this weekend Alabama, Texas had over 8 million people watching it. I think they, I think I saw a stat where it was the most viewed college football game on ESPN since like 2015. So like, we know, we know how big that game was on Saturday and people tuned in to watch it. But did you see the game right underneath it? The game in the second slot, still over 8 million views on Saturday. And it just got beat out by a few thousand, I think, to Alabama, Texas. It was the Colorado game. It was the Colorado game versus Nebraska on Fox. And it just shows that Colorado continues to be the biggest storyline in college football right now. And you can't deny it. You can't deny it. It was the, it is still the biggest storyline in college football, which is why you are seeing ESPN's College Game Day going to Boulder this weekend for when Colorado hosts Colorado State. And some of you may be asking, why would they go there for that game? That's not exciting. Colorado is a better football team than Colorado State. They're probably going to destroy that team. Maybe. Colorado's probably going to win. But here's why game day's going there. Because of the reason I just told you. Colorado's still the biggest storyline in college football. And so game day, the, the television show, is about what? It's about views. It's about ratings. Those bring in money. 
And the fact that a Colorado football game in the year 2023, a Colorado Buffaloes football game, was the second most viewed game of the weekend when they were playing a bad Nebraska team. That's why College Game Day is going there this weekend. Because Colorado is the biggest, it's the sexiest, it's the hyped up storyline in college football. And I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. And you know what? Everybody, everybody was wrong about Colorado to this point. I know we're only two weeks in, but everybody was wrong. I was wrong. You were wrong. Everybody that talked about Colorado was incorrect. Because while there may have been people that were excited about Dion and maybe had some confidence in Dion, if Colorado handles business this weekend, they'll have a 3-0 and start. Nobody expected that. There's a lot of people that didn't expect Colorado to have three wins all year. And they've got a chance to do that before playing a massive game next weekend against the Oregon Ducks. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So credit to them. Game day's going there this weekend. Um, and again, credit to Colorado for, for getting that win. Uh, tons of great games from week two in college football. And again, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts on just the results. Some teams that played well, some teams that didn't play well. Uh, did some teams already play themselves out of a playoff appearance? Did some teams already play themselves out of a bowl appearance? What do you think? 334-321-1390. We're going to get to the phone lines here on the show. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? This is Shane. Hey, Shane. What's up, brother? Hey, man. I, I just I hate the whole Colorado thing. I, I, you hate it? I, I hate it. I, I, it, it Why? They beat, uh, a, a, what have they done, man? They, they beat a, a, a TCU that is nothing – they beat a Nebraska that's nothing. So what have they done that deserves, number one, game day? It's just because of Dion. That's, that's it. That's it. You're right. They, they, I mean, they haven't done anything to deserve it. Just like with the people last week, media was pumping up Alabama because don't sleep on this guy. He's going to be the dark horse Heisman. And then look what happened. Yeah. Just, it's, it's week two. Uh, I just wish that we could just – watch the games until at least you know game six that way you can figure out who actually should be ranked and and who should not who should be talked about because the teams that are talked about now and and the players talk about now they get like a a heads up they get they get a boost because of the media because of what sells instead of the team that might actually deserve it and i don't know what team that is but i don't think i don't think it's colorado right now well that's the thing right there shane it's only week two we don't know who those teams are and so as of right now colorado has Deion sanders they have some really good players and they have a fan base that is supporting them and for a team that won what one football game last year they were one and eleven for them to already start 2-0 and against two Power 5 teams, no, they're not great Power 5 teams, but they're two teams and programs that are better than Colorado. And so the fact that they have the viewership, people obviously care, right? People care, and it's exciting to watch. They have some really, really good players, and Dion is a did character. Did you watch the game? Did you I watch did. that first half? Yeah. Was it fun to watch? It was, that, was, that first half was fun to watch. I thought the game itself was fun. Yeah, it was sloppy, but it was still fun. And the atmosphere there was good. At least the fans showed up, right? 
That's great. I mean, like Colorado can be happy for Colorado. I just don't see why somebody in Alabama should be should care one way or the other about about the team that hasn't done anything yet, but just because of of the loudness that is their coach. It's just it just I don't think it, that it's deserved because the guy is famous in the and the way he I don't think it's deserved yet. It and could it, be. Yeah, I mean, and it, it might, might be. be but, but I think early on it is deserved because they've already doubled their wins from last year. And they're getting the viewership. People are interested. It would be different, Shane, in my opinion. It would be different if Colorado was being put on ESPN in primetime and 500,000 people tuned in. But second most well, viewership all weekend. I, I guarantee you most of those watched to see if they – hoping that they would fail. And that's what makes it exciting. Maybe there's a there is a huge oh, group of people that is or, wanting or them to you fail. Flip through, you're flipping through and you stop on it, so that counts as a view. Which it's is fair. Thing. I mean, like, but people fair. are still tuning in for five minutes. For five minutes, that that counts. I mean, like, no, that that should not count. I watched I watched thirty games, so so they each get one of my views. Probably, I'm not 100 percent how the views work, but people I'm are just, either I'm tuning just, in for Colorado because they want to see them fail, like you talked about, and there's probably a big group like that. Or I think the bigger group of people are the people that were well, wrong about Colorado by. who are saying, wow, they're actually winning football games for a program that was bottom 10 in college football. That's great. I, I guarantee you there are other teams out there that are winning that have also won two games that probably deserve to be talked about more than, than Deion Sanders. And maybe so. And that's what the whole season's about. But through two weeks, you can't deny whether you like it or not, right, that Colorado – they are the biggest story in college football. No, I, I don't. I don't. I, it's made that way because of 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 media. Correct. It's made that way. Yes. So so it's not it's not, it's not anything that I would want or dislike. I, I care nothing about it. I wish wish we could stop talking about Colorado like it's something spectacular to watch, and it's not. It's just a football game. Well, I'm not saying Colorado's going to win the national championship, Shane. I'm just saying people are interested that, in what's that, happening. I, I, I say that's 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 not true. I say um, uh, me, for example, I don't care one way or, or the other. And that's I fine. I wish that it wasn't on. Well, I wish it wasn't on. So I wish we weren't having this conversation right now. We could talk about, you know, some teams that might might deserve it. Now, once once the guy wins something, other than two of the first games of the year, then then maybe we can talk about it. But it's, right now. Go ahead and give the dude the Heisman. Give them the coach of the year. It's just I hate how crappy the media is with 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 crowning people before the, the season's even started. And I, I completely understand that. I do. Shane, appreciate the call, man. I understand that. I really, really do. I understand. You know, Colorado, we're two games in, and everybody's losing their minds, and everybody's trying to give, you know, Shadir Sanders the Heisman and all that. I understand that, and we got to pump the brakes on that, but. The numbers don't lie. And does the media and ESPN themselves help that and promote the heck out of it? Yeah, absolutely. But people are tuning in and they care what's happening because it's entertaining and it's different, right? You can tune in and watch Colorado be good for the first time in ever. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And that's what makes college football so exciting. That's what makes it unique and that's what makes Colorado and the story entertaining because it is something different and no not everybody cares and not everybody wants to see it and I'm sure Shane is not alone with you listening right now I'm sure there are people 
that don't care about Colorado and they are upset that college game day is going there this weekend and they are going to be upset that Colorado's 3-0 and and still one of the most talked about teams in college football but will Colorado get humbled this season yes they will I'm telling you Shane that day is coming they play at Oregon next week they back it up with USC they have to play at UCLA home for Oregon State at Washington State and at Utah those are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six ranked opponents that Colorado's going to play on their current schedule as it is right now. Colorado's not winning all those games. Colorado's not going to win half those games. And then the hype will die down. But early on, it's just one of the biggest storylines. And that can't be denied. 334-321-1390. We're going to get back to the phone lines when we come back. I'm going to hear from you. Great conversation, Shane. Appreciate you calling in, brother. Always fun to talk to you. We'll get back to the phone lines when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back here inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Great conversation, Shane. Appreciate you calling in, man. Always good to uh, talk with you. And looking around, the uh, again, the biggest scores and storylines uh, in college football coming out of of week two. Um, we know, you know, looking at some of the results, um, SEC continuing to, to struggle. I talked about this near the end of the show yesterday. Um, the SEC, folks... Not looking all that great. And Thursday can't get here soon enough when we have Chris Gordy on the program uh, because he he's going to have some things to say because the SEC through two weeks of football just doesn't look good. I mean, even in the wins, they don't look good, right? Uh, it's just it's kind of wild. And somebody asked me, I think it was Uncle T-Bone the other day, he said, is the SEC down? And I said, yeah, I think it is because you just look across the conference and Georgia's the only one that looks halfway decent, and yet – they're don't even they don't even look all that great and so I don't know what's going on in this conference hopefully they figure it out um the the dream of getting two teams in the playoff obviously took a hit over the weekend uh when the Alabama Crimson Tide welcomed in the Texas Longhorns and I have not had a chance to fully talk about this so that's what we're going to do right now um this game this game was interesting, and it's funny because I had people calling into the show yesterday and texting me over the weekend and talking with some people about the they were comparing the Alabama and Texas game to the Auburn Cow game, and they were comparing the talent level and the playmaking and just the 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 capabilities from the players in the Texas Alabama game compared to the Auburn and Cow game. And without a doubt, there is no way to deny this. It is a 100% fact that there are better athletes and better players in the Alabama-Texas game than there were in the Auburn-Cal game. That's just a fact. I'm not saying when you compare each and every single one, one one-on-one with all four teams, whatever, no. But generally speaking, as of right now, Alabama and Texas have better athletes than Auburn and Cal. Like, there's, there's no real breaking news in that statement. And yes, when you watched those two games, the Alabama and Texas game was exciting. There were points. There were defensive plays made. There were swing moments. There were different momentum switches in that game. 
Whereas the Auburn Cal game, it was sloppy. It was very, very sloppy. You had missed field goals. You had a ton of turnovers. And it was a 14 to 10 game versus a 34 to 24 game. So, yeah, there's a massive difference there. But overall, Texas, not only did they win the football game, they beat Alabama. They didn't just win. It wasn't a game-winning field goal. wasn't a pick-six return for a touchdown. It wasn't anything like that. Texas beat Alabama, and they went into Tuscaloosa. They went into Nick Saban's house and beat a Nick Saban coach team by double digits. And folks, that's the first time that Nick Saban as a head football coach in college, out of all the places he's been, that's the first time that he has gotten beaten by double digits at home as a college head coach. Unbelievable. 334-321-1390. We'll get back to the phone lines. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is Ed. Hey, Ed. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. What's on your mind? Uh, I was going to talk just about a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, since you were talking about uh, Alabama and, you know, some of the I know you saw about the, the slurs and everything that they were doing. Yeah, yeah, I did. Unfortunately, I did see that. Yeah, I mean, that just shows, you know, some people show the class, some show the other. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you also said that guy was talking about how many of the reporters or journalists, how many more, how many more very four and five star, you know, guys were. Mm-hmm. But Alabama, Alabama had more than Texas has yeah. right now. Yeah. But, but hey, wasn't that a, I'm a, a real quick, and I'm gonna move on to something real quick. But uh, that that clinic, it was throw over the shoulder. Oh no, yeah. Hey, that was that used to be Pat Sullivan. And Terry Beasley, you know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough play to make, and it's 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 when it's done correctly, Ed, it's almost indefensible. Oh man, that it was beautiful. But uh, but yeah, but, but I was going to talk about Auburn for a minute. Yeah. Um. You, I mean, everybody sees. Everybody can see that. You you know there are a bunch of problems. With the offense, and uh, I'm, I'm, I, with with a winnable game, a surely winnable game with Sanford. If I was you Freeze, I would play Holden Garner, you know, for the first half. Okay, I, and I, I, I would I wouldn't even you know say hey we're going to put you in for sir. I would play him for the entire first half. You'd start Holden Garner for the game against Sanford? Y- yes, absolutely. Okay. Because we, we, we've already seen that the other two are, are you know, have problems. Give him a half, and even if even if you still go back to Thorne or uh, Robbie Ash, you, you know, you, you still give him a half a football. Mm-hmm. Uh, of meaning, and, of meaningful football, see. yeah, meaningful football, and, and, and you can see if he can do anything because we we have seen that the other two, I mean that last drive by 
Thorne was absolutely great, mm-hmm. but but the rest of the rest of the game wasn't. You know, no, I'm I'm 100 percent with you. And, and I mean, I don't I don't think we can win very many. I don't think we can win very many games with uh, Robbie or uh, Peyton the way they played. Saturday. Well, I don't I, think they won any. Yeah. I think you're right on that. I think as they're playing right now, you're right. I think it's going to be hard for Auburn to win football games unless whoever it is, whether it be Peyton, Robbie, or if it does end up being Holden, if that's the case, whoever it's going to be has got to play better football, Ed. You're 100% right. Hey, man, we're up against a break. Great to hear from you. Appreciate the call, Ed. Thank you for your call. Appreciate that. We'll get back to the phone lines when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line as we talk a little bit more college football and slowly transition, talking more Auburn and Cal and what happened in Berkeley on Saturday night. 334-321-1390. We'll get back to the phone lines when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We're halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds. Now, the back, my name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, and let's get to the phone lines once again. But a busy show today on the phones, and I love it, absolutely love it, and want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Andy joins us on the phone lines. Andy, appreciate you holding on through the break, man. What's up? Hey, where are you going? Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Well, I know you're getting a lot of calls and you love it, so I wanted to keep it going. Absolutely, um, man. I'm going to try to be quick, but I got three things. Okay. One, um, a couple weeks I called you about how uh, cool Aaron Rodgers was. Didn't you say you didn't like him? Well, <laughs> I, it's not that I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I'm a lifelong Packers fan. And so um, when he when he left Green Bay, yes, it was time, but it also broke my heart. And what really wow. hurt was watching him get hurt last night. I, I wish that, obviously, <laughs> don't wish that upon anybody. And it, I, I really do hate that for, uh, for Jets fans, for the Jets organization, and honestly, Andy, for NFL fans, because Aaron Rodgers is still, he's still one of the best to ever play. And to see him go down that early after all the hype was, was, was really upsetting. I mean, you, you couldn't you couldn't make that up, right? No, I mean, um, you couldn't ask for a worse situation. Jets, Jets were so excited, Jets Nation, and again, I was never a big fan, but after Hard Knocks, I know there has to be people like me, like that's a cool dude. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, and I, I fell in love with that coach, and to see him on the sideline, like you know, what what did I do to deserve this? So I'm so glad they got to win somehow. Yeah, um, the defense is how. <laughs> the yeah, defense was yeah. unbelievable. Um, two. All right. Uh, was that Shane that called earlier about uh, Dion? Correct. Now, I, I actually, when I called about um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I also talked about Dion a couple weeks ago. How I think, first of all, if you're my age, you remember Dion being a Falcons, and sometimes he scored the most touchdowns in the game, and he was a defensive player. So, you know, he put up a lot of talk. You know, he had his dance, then he went and helped the Braves, and we fell in love with him down here. So it's, I think it's good for football. I think it's good for us. 
Again, I'm glad he's not the Auburn coach just because you're going to have people like Shane and he could really tear up our, um, our name if things didn't work out as well. But I think it's so good for football. I don't know what his problem is with that um, just because it's so good and, and it's so neat. And the guy talks about God and he's inspiring these young athletes that, as a teacher, they are very hard to deal with. And yeah. now you're giving them money. Um, he's got a gift. And I think we're going to see more coaches like that um, than some of these older guys like the Sabins from here on out. Yeah, I so think it it's might be a shift. It might be changed, and people hate that. So right. maybe that's where it's coming from. Yeah, I think it's it's very – look, I'll be completely honest. It is a surprising factor to me to see – look, it is very early on in the Colorado era of Deion Sanders, but just his college football presence, it's surprising to me that it has worked because of how, how loud he is and how colorful he is and just his whole personality. But – so far, it's working, and people are interested. People want to know what's happening, and it could be a trend that catches on. But I'm with you. I'm glad he's not Auburn's coach. I just don't think the fit would be there. But all you know, all the uh, all the hope and good lucks to him in Colorado. I hear you. And one last thing: um, the caller that just called talking about putting in our third string quarterback. I think that's crazy. But then again, because our quarterbacks need all the practice they can, and they need to get in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, I played uh, JUCO. I played rugby here. And, I mean, it was probably about 20 minutes before I started getting my heart rate up. And, yeah. you know, you get smacked around, and you get numb to the pain, and you get um, adrenaline going, and then you become an all-star. Right. So we're not letting our quarterbacks get that. And I know these coaches know that. So they do know more than us, I hope. Uh, I don't think Carson did. But, um, you know, we're putting a lot of faith. But I also remember a couple years ago, who was the running back? He might have been a fullback, third string. All the running backs got hurt. He was a big old boy. Like, um, he ended up pulling his hammy in one of the games. But, oh, like, are you thinking of uh, not, it wasn't, Whitlow? Yeah, yeah, Booby Whitlow or uh, uh, Petway, yeah, yeah. one of those two. Well, again, it's like the, when, you, when he plays in the game and then he starts the next game, it's like, did y'all not see that in practice? Mm-hmm. Like. Y'all didn't even play him for the first four games, and now he's starting. Like, so it is. You know, maybe that guy. You know, he sounds wiser than me, so maybe he's on to something. But I think our quarterbacks need as much game time experience as possible. So who knows? But good on you, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate the call, Andy. Always great to hear hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Would love to hear from uh, from any more of my listeners. We've had tons of calls today, and I like I told him, I I love hearing from you guys. Um, I love hearing from uh, all the listeners, and I know because here's the thing: you all have so many different thoughts and different opinions, and right now flying solo in the studio right i'm talking to you and getting to have these conversations but you calling in and giving me your opinion is so much fun to me so give me a call phone lines are still open 334-321-1390 um to break down a couple of the last calls okay ed was talking about before andy got on here ed was talking about a few things um yes i have seen um and, and heard unfortunately the uh, videos that came out of Tuscaloosa, they are handling that, and I'm not going to really comment on that. That has nothing to do with us, has nothing to do with me, um, and, and they will handle that. It's a shame that there is still fans, and it's not just Alabama. This happens everywhere, folks. It happens at every every school, every program, every level, every sport. Unfortunately, there are always fans that are going to act like this at sporting events because, look, We're all sports fans here, right? We all love sports so much, and especially in this state, we love college football. And 
it is such a we're so passionate about it and we care so much about it especially you know each individual team that we've been a fan of for so long and you know in situations in big games big moments emotions are high on the field and in the stands and we know uh the we know the pregame festivities that happen on a college football Saturday and so I'm probably sure that that had something to do with it but just using using language like that and using offensive slurs in the way that some people were in some videos that came out it's just not it's not necessary man it's just wrong like there's no there's no reason for that okay there's not there's never ever ever a reason to use language like that towards anybody. I don't care if you're at a sporting event. I don't care if you're at the grocery store, in traffic, at home. I don't care. There's no reason for that. And again, it just happened to be out of Tuscaloosa this time. We've seen Auburn fans get caught on video doing that. We've seen NFL fans get caught doing that. Soccer, hockey, whatever it may be. I mean, we've seen that happen and it always will. Um, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to, to fix everybody and clean up people's language. But there's no need for that. There's no need for it. So they'll handle it. Uh, and that's all I really have to say on that. Um, Ed's point about the quarterbacks I think is interesting. And if you missed it, Ed called in during the last segment and was talking about how through two games – the quarterback play for Auburn has not been all that great. I mean, it just hasn't. We know Robbie had the rushing touchdowns against UMass, right? We get that. Um, but the actual quarterback play, all right, stepping in the pocket, throwing the football, handing it off, making the right reads, making sure people are lined up correctly, the actual quarterback play through two games for Auburn hasn't been all that good. And – We've seen moments, we've seen drives that have been really good, we've seen plays that have been pretty good, but through two games, we haven't even seen a full half of good quarterback play yet. And it's been the majority of Peyton Thorne because he is the starting quarterback, and Robbie had, what, three throwing attempts on Saturday against Cal? Um, It's just, when it comes to the quarterback's the play just hasn't been to where it needs to be. And Ed brought up Ed's opinion. He said, Saturday against Sanford, a game that you're expected to win, he said start holding Garner on Saturday. He said start holding in the first half. He said give him a shot. And I think what he meant by that was give Holden a shot to play in some meaningful snaps in football. And maybe it's to send a message to Peyton and Robbie like, hey, through two games you haven't done – what you need to do, better step it up because we're going to go with this guy if he comes out and performs. I get where you're coming from, Ed, if you're still listening, and if anybody else has this thought. I get the thought process there. I do. I understand you're like, look, through two games, it's not it. Quarterback play's not where we need it to be. We're going with a different guy. I understand that, but I don't necessarily agree with it, and here's why. I think, kind of like what Andy was just talking about, I think for somebody like Peyton Thorne, who played two years of legitimate Power 5 Big Ten football, who played it at a very high level and played some really, really good talent, some of the best talent in the country, 
He knows what to do, and he knows how to do it. And I think for somebody like him who came down here, didn't practice in the spring, all he got to do was work out in the summer and practice through the fall. Through two games, the decision-making is not where it needs to be, and Coach Hugh Freeze has talked about that. The throws have not always been there, and Hugh Freeze has talked about that. And the alignment on offense has not always been there. And we've had some, Auburn's had some miscues. Had one on Saturday where they thought they had a big play, running back went the wrong way, and the whole thing was blown up. So those are things that have to be worked out. But luckily, in these first few games, Auburn has a chance to do that, especially this Saturday with Samford. But I think Peyton Thorne, you can see the potential there. You can see the skill level there. You can see the quarterback IQ that's there. It's just not all coming out yet, and it's all not pieced together wearing the orange and blue. I think it will. I really do. He, he's too good and had too good of stats at Michigan State, especially in 2021. You don't just do that if you're not good. You don't just do that if you have a hot streak, right? And Auburn has the... Auburn has the skill guys around him to allow him to do that. I think the offensive line, for the most part, played pretty good on Saturday. There's a few notes. Um, too tall. I didn't like the way he played at the right uh, right tackle position. Um, I think Gunnar Britton played well. I think Avery Jones played well. Uh, I think multiple guys played really well in the offensive line, especially compared to what we've seen in the past. So... Not concerned there. Running backs did their job. Jarquez looked a little rusty, and that's fine. That's expected. First game back, that's expected. Damari looked good besides the fumble. That hurt. It absolutely hurt, and Auburn can't be doing that. Auburn can't afford for their running backs to be putting the ball on the ground. Can't do it. But the game plan was confusing too. But like Andy talked about in his playing time, of rugby, you got to get in a rhythm, right? You got to build some some comfort and build some some chemistry and and build some confidence in practice, in warmups, in the game. And none of that happened on Saturday in Berkeley. Auburn never got any momentum, and the little bit that they ever did, they killed it with fumbles, interceptions, penalties. They killed it every time. And so, if you can't ever build a little rhythm and you can't ever get a little confidence, you're never going to be successful. And that's on the whole team. That's on the whole team. So, Auburn has to find a way to do that. And so, again, to Ed's point about starting holding on Saturday, I don't think you'll see that. I don't think I would go that way. But I promise you, Hugh Freeze understands, because Ed's right about this, the quarterback play to this point is not good enough. If the quarterback room, okay, I said quarterback room, between Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, Holden, whoever, if the play stays where it's at right now, if it doesn't get any better throughout the year, it's going to be a long SEC schedule. But I do think it will get better. A, because it has to, and B, 
because I think Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery, and Peyton Thorne, they're all too good at what they do, respectfully, to not get better, to not fix it, to not figure it out. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Peyton Thorne. I still think he's the guy. But he has to play better. He's still missing and not making right decisions sometimes. Some of his throws are still not where they need to be. But think about if you could get final drive on Saturday, Peyton Thorne, the game-winning drive, Peyton Thorne, for four quarters of football. Auburn would be a really good team. And then, when you get to that level, then the defense has to start respecting him as a passer, as a decision-maker, as a straight-up quarterback. And that's when you hammer the football with Jarquez Hunter, Damari Alston, Brian Battee, Jeremiah Cobb, and Sean Jackson. That's where those guys come in. And then when they crowd the box, bam, Peyton Thorne, when he gets to where he needs to be playing SEC-level football, getting comfortable with the AU on the side of his helmet, getting comfortable with Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery calling his plays, that's when Auburn is going to be good. That's when Auburn will be dangerous. But you're running out of time to start figuring that out. Because sure, you've got Samford this Saturday for homecoming. But you have Texas A&M at Texas A&M a week from Saturday. And after that, you're off and running in SEC play. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. We'll take our final break here in hour number one. Then we'll get into hour number two. I'd like to play you a little bit of the uh, Hugh Freeze press conference from yesterday. He had some interesting things to say. Don't know if we'll have time to play the whole thing, uh, but we'll kind of see where we stand because Daryl Dappert will join me in hour number two. He's got some thoughts on the quarterback play from Saturday. The defense as well that won Auburn the game and looking around the rest of college football. So that's what's coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll be right back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, got a few more minutes here in hour number one before we get into hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. It's been brought up a few times from a few callers today, but um, I do want to mention it quickly while we have a few minutes. Um, we talk a little NFL on here, not a ton, but we do talk a little bit of NFL on there on this program because over the weekends on Sundays, we carry NFL games here on ESPN 106.7. So be sure that you are uh, tuning in for those and keeping up with that because we are uh, just excited to bring you college football on Saturdays and NFL games on Sundays. Plus, we still have Sunday night baseball. We'll have postseason baseball coming up. So uh, lots going on on the weekends here on ESPN 106.7. But NFL Week 1, it was awesome. It was was a really, really good Week 1 of the NFL. And if you remember, it started back on Thursday of last week when Detroit, the Lions, yes, the Detroit Lions, went to Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champions, who raised their banner, and the Lions went and beat them. Beat Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, Super Bowl champ, and went and beat them at Arrowhead. Unbelievable. Then you had Sunday, where... There were some really intriguing matchups. There were some really big results, and there were some blowouts as well. Um, do want to say my Green Bay Packers are 
They went to Chicago, and they still own the Bears. Doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. The Packers own the Bears. That is nine straight wins for Green Bay over Chicago in the NFL. Beat them 38-20. to Made them look bad. And the Jordan Love era is officially underway. I'm excited for him. Do I think he's going to be the next Hall of Famer to make it three in a row for the Packers? No, probably not. But I do think he's a good quarterback. And if he has the weapons around him, which he does... Green Bay can be a really dangerous team this year. So there was that. Um, A really big story on Sunday was also Joe Burrow, of course, former LSU quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion. It's his fifth year, I believe, in the NFL now. And he, or going on four years, I guess, just signed the biggest contract ever in the history of the NFL like a few days before the first game. We know he's not 100%. He's been dealing with some injuries in the offseason. He started on Sunday for the Bengals in Cleveland, taking on the Browns, and it was a game to forget. Browns win 24-3. to Bengals had a terrible day. Burrow, 14 of 31 for 82 yards. That's it. Thir- or 14 of 31 for 82 yards for Joe Burrow. Bengals looked bad on Sunday in their first game. Joe Burrow's first game after getting what was the biggest contract ever signed in the NFL. So um, there was that. And then what happened last night? Terrible. I mean, just absolutely terrible. Aaron Rodgers, a new era in New York for the Jets. They've signed the biggest names. Their defense is unbelievable. They've got receivers. They've got running backs. They signed a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he tears his Achilles on the fourth play of the game. Horrible, man. Absolutely terrible. They confirmed it today. He's out for the year. Tore his Achilles. The guy's almost 40 years old. Is he going to play ever again? I don't know. People are legitimately asking that question. Terrible scene, but the Jets won anyway with Zach Wilson in that defense. They beat Josh Allen and the Bills on Monday night. NFL's exciting already, but we'll talk college football, Auburn football, and Daryl Dapperts joins me coming up in hour number two. is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader from 2 to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast later on today. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It's posted commercial-free after the show each and every day talked a uh I had some good conversations in the first hour talking about the um different 
storylines and results from week two of college football. Didn't quite get to all of them, but had some really good conversations uh, about Colorado, about Alabama, Texas. Didn't even fully get into that conversation just yet. Um, But good thing is we talked to Austin Hannon of Bama Central tomorrow, so we'll get to talk to him about that. But in that first hour, talked some Colorado, talked some Alabama, Texas, um, talked about Auburn quarterback situation and what the Tigers need to do moving forward at the quarterback position and whoever it's going to be, what they have to do for Auburn to be uh, successful here in 2023 so talked a lot about that hit on the NFL just a little bit there at the end of hour number one as well so if you missed any of it again you can catch up with the podcast after the show today just go to ESPNAU.com Here's what's coming up in hour number two. I do want to play you a little bit of Hugh Freeze's press conference from yesterday. Again, I don't think we'll have time to do the whole thing, but uh, at least play maybe the front half of it, uh, of his opening statement. There's some questions in there. I got a few questions in. I know Dan and Bill got some questions in as well. And so I'm going to play that for you. We'll talk about that, what Hugh Freeze had to say, uh, what Auburn uh, did and didn't do well on Saturday against Cal there in Berkeley. Uh, So we'll play that, talk about it, and then coming up later, Daryl Dapritz joins me on the phone lines from Locked On Auburn. Uh, He's now a uh, Montgomery Biscuits legend, I think. He called a bunch of games him and Lindsey Crosby did over there, and they did a fantastic job. So uh, he's just got got too many titles now. He really does. He has too many titles. He's too famous, and he's too good at being on the radio. But Double D will join me coming up at 3.30 here on the phone lines on the show. And so we'll talk to him about Auburn and Cal, some of the results around college football, and looking ahead for Auburn football as well. So going to play you Hugh Freeze's audio. If you have any comments, questions, questions, concerns, give me a call after that. I'll take callers on the air for a little bit. 334-321-1390. But again, this is the front half opening statement and some questions from Hugh Freeze yesterday in his weekly press conference. You know, on the West Coast and thought our kids handled it well. I thought they played with great energy and passion and togetherness and and they fought for the 60 minutes and um, obviously extremely happy to uh, get out of there, you know, with a win against another Power Five opponent, and I think I saw a stat somewhere that teams that turned the ball over four times, plus the number of first downs we had, I think it's like one in sixty-five or something, and now it's two in sixty-six, I guess, or that could be wrong on the numbers. Don't quote me on that, but um, it seemed a pretty, pretty. You just don't win many games like that, and. So um, we're very fortunate, and but I know this. Um, I don't know that I've ever had a season where you didn't have a game where you felt like, God, we easily could have lost that game, but boy, our kids found a way, and you can build on stuff like that. And um, just really proud of our staff and kids. I don't think anyone quit believing that we could win the game, and it showed in the way they played. And obviously the defense had more than their share of uh, of of times that they had to go back out there and too quick and um, because of the number of turnovers and lack of production on third down. Um, And, man, they never once. It was always, we got you, we got you, we got you. And I'm just really proud of that growth um, that we can use to to build on for sure. And obviously they played, you know, really well on that side of the ball and special teams played – uh, better than average, but to not great, but better than average. Offense was uh, awful. And, you know, we got the ball in the third quarter. Um, 
I don't know how many minutes were left, but our first possession in the third quarter, we had only had 25 offensive plays. And I do believe we had a really good plan offensively, particularly in the second half, and think we would have scored points had we not turned it over two more times. But we only had four possessions, and, um, you know, those turnovers are just – you can't win football games turning the ball over. And thought we were ripping off some pretty good runs and either had a penalty or a turnover for those few possessions that we had the second half. So um, I think there's some things we can build on for sure. But ultimately, the bottom line is our kids found a way to win. And we celebrate that. And you can write it however you want to write it. But the bottom line is uh, Auburn Tigers are 2-0, and and we celebrate that. Coach, all offseason, you talked about it through the fall and even through the season as it started. Robbie Ashford was going to be a huge part of, of your team's success. We saw a heavy dosage of him on Saturday night, flipping back and forth between him and Peyton Thorne. What was their response, Peyton and Robbie's response, and their just their attitude towards both of them seeing heavy minutes on Saturday? Yeah, I haven't seen them uh, and talked to them uh, today yet, and obviously everybody's on the plane ride was just uh, trying to rest, and uh, they both seem fine. I, I don't know that that's exactly what I want it to look like, but we just had no juice, no momentum, and, and so you're kind of searching for it. And, um, you know, we've got to figure that, that piece of it out to where you're not, uh, you know, we need, we need Peyton to play better, truthfully, too. Now, the last drive, he played well. Uh, prior to that, I think a few of the throws were inaccurate. I thought he left the pocket early once. And, look, I'm not beating up Peyton. He played really well that last possession. But we do need more consistency there throughout the whole game. And that's our challenge is to get uh, him or, and uh, Robbie and, and uh, Holden to, to that point. Um, and so they know that. But, you know, Robbie's got to get his touches. And we had a really good package for him. And, had a good drive going in that package, and then uh, one of our running backs went the wrong way, and it created a negative play and got us behind the chains. And so it was just uh, one thing after another offensively, which ultimately, you know, it has to start with me and our offensive staff as to why we, you know, did some of the things we did. Um, you know, we don't control the fumbles necessarily, but there were other things that happened that caused us negative plays that, um, you know, maybe we need to coach better. Well, you could talk too. Uh, one of the things you've talked about is, is taking shots downfield. You didn't do much of that Saturday. Was that by design? Was it something Cal was doing or was it uh, just the ineffectiveness doing it? Well, Cal was, uh, we, we, I think we only called three and probably should have called more. Um, but it was uh, Cal, you know, played us a little differently. But there were times that we, I thought, had early in the game, I know we had one real shot and, you know, we chose, we read a different side of the field. Um, and then our receivers didn't win. A few of the others that we called, they were in man coverage quite a bit. And um, they, they won some of those battles on us. Coach, after the first game, you mentioned some of the defensive alignment issues. How did you work on that, and were you pleased with the progress they made in week two? We definitely made progress. It was, uh, it was much better. Um, the effort was incredible. Lows were way, way down. Um, we still have some alignment issues. Uh, 
Um, but, I mean, every game you're going to have some. Um, I would like for it to be in the single digits. Um, I think we were around 10. Um, but they weren't – I mean, you know, some of them were being really ticky-tack and hard. You know, you're, 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 you should be lined up in a 30 technique and you're, and you're not quite there at linebacker. So we're being really hard on, on that right now. But um, so some of them were pretty insignificant. And there were others that could have been significant. And, again, you, you're not going to ever completely change that because the offenses are going to throw something at you that you didn't prepare for or some motion or some shift. Um, we just got to make sure we're all on the same page when that occurs. And there were a few of those in the early in the second half that we, we were still trying to figure that out as the ball is being snapped. So we've got to, we've got to continue to work on it, but it was much better. Coach, you've, uh, you've chosen to give up, give up play calling for the first time in your career. Um, how would you characterize what we saw on offense Saturday? Was it more play calling or was it more on the execution side? And did you take over play calling at 80 point during that game? No, I, I called three things in that game. And uh, it's, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, I, I don't want to make some – I have great confidence in, that, in our staff. And, um, you know, one game is not – um, something that you should, particularly when you have four turnovers and the number of penalties we had that, that got us behind the chains. I just think that I know y'all don't, I'm not making any excuses because we have to own what's on the film, but when you turn it over four times and you don't get a lot of possessions in a game, it's, uh, it's hard. And, and that's kind of where we were. And every time we got, did get an explosive run on the reverse or something, there's another penalty. And we did everything that we didn't do in the first game. We didn't have turnovers. We didn't have penalties. And dang, if we didn't uh, look like it was the first game offensively. And so um, I, I did not take it over. I did call the, the fade to Rivaldo and um, a couple other things. But um, no, it's not at that point at all. I, I have great confidence in them. We, we've had a lot of tough talks this morning and, um, you know, I can't be everywhere, and but ultimately I own, have to own everything. And I spent a lot of time with our defensive guys last week, and going to spend a lot of time with our offensive guys this week. And um, but it's really not. A, it's it's about us all seeking wisdom as to how we can get better, me included. And you know that was our our main theme this morning in our in our truth meeting is man, what how, how do you seek wisdom to get better and to improve? the chances our kids have, have have of winning football games and being better men and you know what does that look like for you and who do you have and we've got to have each other and everybody's got assistance in this building assistant o-line coaches d-line coaches safety coaches quarterback coaches and it's high time that nobody has an ego and we all like all right how can we what are we are we doing too much of something and what can we do and who needs the touches? And, you know, like five and six for us need more touches. Um, those two guys can – they're our best receivers. Now, I wish they were bigger because the catch radius is, is not, not big. But um, – and we got to improve the others. But those guys are, are pretty good in space. And so we've got to use those guys more. Rivaldo obviously needs to be utilized, and he was well in the second half. But – um, we, we've got to we got to play to our strengths and figure out how to make it look different every week. And um, so those are some of the things I challenged them with this morning. Is 
you know, how are you going to do that? And if you need help, I swear I can help. I'll, I'll draw them up and, and, and show you how to make it look different. But they have the ability to do that. And so, um, again, I think it's an – you don't – you know, I know you guys have to – I mean, it was ugly. There's no two ways around it, but you can't – you also have to take into account the number of turnovers and penalties for possessions versus was it just awful play calls. I, don't, I didn't see many awful play calls, truthfully. They all have a chance to work. Nothing schematically was off about it. Um, I think we need a little more balance, and we got to figure out what that looks like exactly that our quarterbacks and receivers can handle. Um, in our RPO world, we didn't utilize near enough We've got to work on that. So uh, we'll, we'll challenge each other to be better this week as coaches and players. So that was first half of the uh, Hugh Freeze press conference from yesterday, his weekly press conference when he meets with us, the media, uh, recapping the Cal game, previewing uh, the Sanford game. What are your thoughts? What do you think about what he had to say uh, in those first couple of questions? Um, again, that's not the whole thing. Maybe we'll get in some of the other parts of it tomorrow. Um, but what do you think about what – and maybe you've already heard the rest of it, and so I'm curious on what you have to say about what Hugh Freeze had to say based off the Cal game. We'll talk about some of his comments before uh, Daryl Daprich joins me on the phone lines. He joins me every Tuesday at 3.30. So phone lines are open for the next few minutes. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? How do you feel about what Hugh Freeze is saying about Auburn 2-0, which is, uh, again, that's a huge thing. Not a lot of teams can say that. Not all teams can say that, especially in this conference and especially in this state. Give me a call. 334-321-1390. I'll give you my thoughts on that when we come back before Double D joins me here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's talk a little bit about that Hugh Freeze press conference here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Didn't get to play all of it for you, but got the opening statement and some questions, some good questions in there uh, about the quarterback rotation, about the run defense, um, about the receivers, and I'm just curious on where you stand on this, right? Where, How do you feel about the game that went down on Saturday, especially offensively? I think we can all agree uh, that defensively on Saturday, Auburn played lights out. I mean, they played one of the best games defensively that I've seen played in a long, long time. I was thinking back to like 2019, um, 2019 LSU, 2019 Florida in that team. Um, I had people bring up 2021 Iron Bowl. If I remember, I'm going to bring it up to Daryl, uh, Daryl Dapper, in just a few minutes and see what his thoughts are on that because it was an unbelievable defensive performance. And again, you're playing a Cal team that isn't great offensively. They had a good week one offensive performance, but overall, they're not a good offensive team. And so I'm not saying it was easy by any means for for the Auburn defense to to have a good game. But what I am saying is the defense saved Auburn on Saturday. They did. They saved Auburn in this football game. And so we can all agree they played lights out. Eugene Asante had a career type of game. We talked to him yesterday 
uh, and maybe tomorrow try to get you that audio uh, to listen to that because we met with him yesterday and he touched, he, he talked about how the team relied on him. They did. The team relied on him. They relied on the defense. And, and somebody asked him the question yesterday of – when did you know it was going to be your night? And he said, really at halftime when we came in and the team was just looking at me and you know hyping me up and all that. And he said, I could just tell like I had to go out there and do my thing. And he absolutely did, and credit to him. So we can all agree that the defense played a, a really, really good game. The offense is where the question marks are. And I think that is a total flip from week one. I mean, look at the game against UMass. Auburn put up 50-plus points. Auburn, on the opening drive of their offensive game, they went all the, way down the, all, the, all the way down the field and scored. Auburn ran the ball all over the place. You had Peyton Thorne, who, again, didn't look great in game one, but he settled in pretty nicely, had a good throw and touchdown pass uh, to Jay Fair to start that third quarter on, on the, in game one versus UMass. But what were what were the biggest concerns? It was, wow, run defense just didn't look all that great. And if they don't figure it out, they're going to give up 500 yards to Cal and Jade Knott, right? And you had California and Jade Knott talking a little trash talk about Auburn. And here we are after game two, and it's a completely different narrative. We're like, man, defense played championship-level defense against a Power 5 team. But the offense as Hugh Freeze just said a few minutes ago, looked bad. It was a bad performance offensively. And I thought it was interesting throughout the entire press conference and the part that I played you and just the entire press conference as a whole, he heavily defended Philip Montgomery, as you would expect him to do, but he heavily defended him. He said that there were really no bad play calls and felt that they had a good offensive game plan they just could never get out of their own way. And I partially agree with that because I think I think Auburn, if they would have limited their turnovers to like one and had cut out a lot of the, the silly penalties, then yeah, they probably could have built a, a little more rhythm and confidence and momentum and probably would have had a better offensive performance than what they truly did but at the same time the game plan was a little confusing to me because what did Hugh Freeze just say in that clip that I played you he said we have to get five and six the ball more do you know who five and six are Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson he said those are our best wide receivers and yet Auburn threw the ball 17 total times on Saturday that's a game plan issue in my opinion. That is a strategy issue offensively, in my opinion. Because Peyton Thorne, when he finally settles in and when he finally builds that confidence and when he finally becomes the 2021 Michigan State Peyton Thorne, you've got to let the dude throw the ball. You've got to let it fly. Especially against a team like Cal, whose defense is not all that good. They played well, and they've got some dudes on that team. But their defense should not be able to hang with Auburn's offense, not with the skill that they have. And I know that they haven't fully all come together. We haven't seen the true, I guess, the true potential of the Auburn offense. But there are some good players there. 
And after the game, and on Monday, when the head coach is saying, look, we got to get our playmakers the ball more. Yeah. That's not, like, I'm glad you're realizing that, but that's not a good thing to, to be saying after the game, right? Is wow. I mean, we only scored 14 points. We got to get our best receivers the football more. You're absolutely right. He also talked about got to take some deep shots more. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because the offensive line is holding up enough for Peyton Thorne to do what he wants to do. But he's not making all the right calls and all the right decisions. Got to run more RPOs. Got to run more play options, right? I mean, got to like got to do different things. And there were just multiple times in that game on Saturday where I'm like, why was that the play call? Like, why did they do that? Why didn't they do this? And it was very reminiscent of some past Auburn games and some past Auburn coaches. And I'm not saying that they're the same. I'm not. I'm not saying that. And for those that are trying to compare and bring this comparison back up of Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze that they're cut from the same cloth, let's just stop on that. They are similar. They are. They're friends. They're offensive-minded guys, and they run similar things. But Hugh Freeze said it yesterday. He called three total plays. And one of those plays was the game-winning touchdown pass to Rivaldo Fairweather. This is more on the offensive staff on the game plan that they took to Cal. And I truly do believe that they felt it was going to work. Because Hugh Freeze said yesterday, he said, we fully plan on putting 40, 50 points on those guys. And they put 14, seven through three quarters. So I think they had a good feeling about their game plan. But all the other things of penalties and turnovers and miscues and missed throws and missed reads, lack of confidence from Peyton Thorne, I think that all came together. And that's why you saw the offensive performance that you did on Saturday. But how do you fix that? You fix it with repetition. You fix it with comfort you fix it by strategizing and fixing it in a week like this week in practice and you fix it in a game like Saturday against Sanford because I'll tell you what next week on the road at Texas A&M I know they just lost to Miami but they put up 30 something points Auburn's got to find a way to do that Auburn has to find a way to get a one one quarterback settled in okay not two we're not doing this swapping out every single play we're not doing that and i don't think auburn's going to do that anymore he free said he wasn't he wasn't happy with how that went down and buddy i wasn't either get a quarterback settled in get your offensive game plan throw the ball more and when you have to rely on your studs at running back When we come back, Daryl Daprich will join us on the phone lines. He's got some thoughts about this, Auburn and Cal, college football as a whole. Don't go anywhere. It's one of our best segments of the week. Daryl Daprich joins us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back.
On the Line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7 inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And one of my favorite segments every single week, it is Double D, Daryl Dapperts joining us on the phone lines. Daryl, are you all talked out after calling what seemed to be about 15 straight games for the Montgomery Biscuits? <laughs> I tell you, first of all, I, I was you know, I never take for granted how blessed I was to have that opportunity as somebody who loves baseball and follows baseball all my life. To say that I got to to do play by play for a professional baseball team was incredible. But it was just it, it, the whole week. You know, the Saturday Saturday was the marathon day. Did did the game it was about two and a half hours. The biscuits, Chattanooga Lookouts came home and obviously had to watch every minute of the Auburn game. So that I would know what I was talking about to jump on with Zach, and then at one fifteen in the morning, we went ahead and recorded the Locked On Auburn Reaction wow. podcast. So I got to bed about two to get back up, go to church, and then go do the final uh, series. But I'll tell you, I, one thing I can say is that any time I've ever done play-by-play for a minor league baseball team, they've never lost that game. They swept <laughs> the series. They were six and zero, which is hard to do. You know, these six-game series in minor league baseball are meant for travel and all that, but it does become a grind to have to play six games. So, uh, yeah, they, they swept, and uh, it was really a lot of fun. Great opportunity to have Lindsey Crosby up there with me, and I feel pretty fortunate and privileged to be able to do that. Well, you, you guys did a fantastic job. I listened in multiple days, and you guys just did a wonderful job. And look, man, with that record as a play-by-play announcer, you got to hang it up. You can't call another game ever again. You're undefeated as a play-by-play. Yeah, you got to yeah, be done. i, I got to keep that sterling record and retire. That, that's hard to stop right there. Trust me. Yeah, I started that way uh, when I took over Lee Scott calling their football because, you know, they went undefeated in football last year and won the state championship, and then basketball was off to a hot start and then uh, eventually did lose. So I get the feeling, but, hey, you guys did a great job. Happy for you and Lindsey and the opportunities you guys are getting. Um, But – Let's talk about that Auburn and Cal game. Of course, Daryl Dapper tops on with Zach Blacker before the Locked on Auburn podcast. It was a late game. It was a sloppy game, but it was a win, and that's what I keep talking about. It seems like, Daryl, that's what Hugh Freeze keeps talking about as well. A win is a win, and Auburn got one, and they're probably not going to be heading back to California anytime soon. What are your thoughts on Auburn and Cal from Saturday? You know, that game, when you go get ready to go play that game, I just feel like it's a lose-lose situation for Auburn. I'm glad for Auburn's fans that made the trek out there. It is kind of cool to get to play a Pac-12 school, you know, something different like that. But if you lose that game, you know, you let the SEC down, the Pac-12 kind of sticks their chest out a little bit, which they did even before the game. We'll talk about that. It came back to haunt them. But – you know, you, if you're Auburn and you win that game, well, you're supposed to. You're an SEC school. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they went out there and did it because I think it's a great um, experience and learning experience. And if you're going to find things, and there are plenty of things in that game that Auburn needs to clean up, you want to do that with a W, right? If you lose a game and go, well, we got all these things we got to work on, okay. But there's a lot of things that they have to work on that were revealed and things exposed that I think are going to make Auburn a much better football team because they're out in the they're out in the light now 
and they can deal with them and they can address them, but you get to accomplish that while winning a game. Mm -hmm. So as sloppy as it was, and I've gone back and watched some things, I was really surprised. It just didn't seem like Auburn ran the football that well, but they did. And I think at the end of the day, if they could have gotten any balance um, and any continuity and the flow would have been a little bit better from a quarterback position, you know, they could have put up the big numbers that everyone thought it was going to be a shootout. But again, I, I was 100% wrong on how I thought that game was going to go from statistics to offensive output to Auburn. I thought it was going to struggle on defense, and it was just the reverse script on that. Yeah, it really was. It was, I, I mean, I said later in the week last week that it was almost a name your score type of game for Auburn where I thought they were going to go in. And Hugh Freeze said this yesterday in his press conference, Daryl. He said, we thought we were going to put 40, 50 points on these guys. And they went out and barely got 14 points. And And we know the defense played so well. And I'm glad you brought up, too, that it was, it was one of those games for Auburn, and I had said this, where if you win it, well, yeah, you were supposed to win it. Cal's a bad team. But if you lose it, it's embarrassing. But – the, you cannot you cannot deny how big of a win this was when you look at the outlook on the entire season, Daryl, on the 2023 schedule that's not going to be easy for Auburn, where this could be the difference in Auburn making or missing a bowl game, having a seven-win season, or even maybe an eight-win season if things go well. I have said all along, when we kind of broke down the schedule and we kind of you know projected what Auburn's win total could be, this game, to me, was a very crucial swing game. I felt like if Auburn did not go 4-0 and in its non-conference games, and this obviously counts as a non-conference game, in my opinion, they did not have uh, a shot to get to eight wins. Now, anything could happen, and we've seen in the SEC, maybe there's some teams that we looked at that thought they were a little bit better than they were, and maybe there's some teams that I thought were bottom feeders that might be better. So at the end of the day, though, I felt like Auburn had to be 4-0 in their non-conference schedule if they had any shot at getting to eight wins. And so you lose that game. Not only does, does, does doubt start to creep in, it makes it that you have to win five conference games to get to that eight-win mark. And, mm-hmm. I, again, I, I'm going to stand on my prediction from day one. I think Auburn goes 8-4. I think they win their all four non-conference games, which now really looks like will happen and they split in the SEC. So to do that, I think you had to win this game. It was a crucial swing game for standings and psyche. So the two S's there. And I think that – so Auburn goes on the road. They play poorly. They know they play poorly. They they feel like they couldn't play any more poorly on on offense, excuse me, than they they did. And they come away with a four-point win on the road. You can build on that. It reminds me – of the 2013 Mississippi State game. Now, it was okay. a conference game, and Mississippi State was probably a little better football team than Cal, but Auburn struggled offensively, and then Nick Marshall hits Azuma in the end zone to, to win the game with about, I don't know, 15 seconds left to go. And that's, that was a springboard for the rest of the year. So, you know, you, you have to win some, sometimes these ugly games and flush them, learn from them, and then move on. And then one other thing I was going to say that really, as I went back and watched it, that impressed me that I did not give enough credit to in the moment. These reaction shows, are really, you're really emotional. Because yeah. right after it happens, you don't have time. I mean, you're doing it on emotion, not that you're emotional. But you don't have time to decompress. And you were doing and, it half asleep, Daryl. Half asleep and just right <laughs> after it happens. So you, there's probably some things that are a little bit more 
you know, it's just you, you, if you had time to really kind of think about it. But the last drive, when a team loads the box on you and knows they have to stop you to have any chance to win the game, and you still run it down their throat for the first down like Austin did to run out the clock. I mean, third and five, third and four. And if you don't, if you stop Auburn, you got a shot. If you don't, ball game. Cal loaded up the box. He still and and I heard his interview where he said he probably could have scored on that play, but he was so focused on getting the first down he missed a hole. Mm. So they know you're running, and you run it down their throat anyway to ice the ball game away. That is something later on in the year. You mark my words is going to come back and be huge for Auburn. And I think it, it just, it, to feed into that, Daryl, it just speaks something of a team to go out. We know all the factors, the travel, the time, all that. To go out and play as about as bad as you can on offense and find a way to win. Because, Daryl, I've said it and I believe it. Past Auburn teams with past Auburn coaches, they would have lost that game in embarrassing fashion. Daryl, I truly believe that. Past Auburn teams would not have won in Berkeley on Saturday night with the way they played. Yeah, I, I agree. I, definitely the, the you know the Harson regime. Once they fell behind, like the South Carolina game from two years ago, and some of those games where it's like you, you know they're not coming back. You know, after blowing the big lead against Mississippi State, they didn't show the fortitude to come back. Last year was just a completely different story. Once you you know they got up on LSU, and so I agree. I think that that there were even during the the Gus regime, the only time I saw Auburn play really really poorly on offense and flat and really do nothing for two and a half, three quarters, and then all of a sudden the light switch comes on and they win the game was against Oregon in 2019, the opener. They looked putrid. Yeah. The freshman Bo Nix, the first two and a half quarters, and then all of a sudden, and that last drive wins the ball game, right? So, you know, I'm not comparing Cal to Oregon. I'm not comparing – I'm just saying that certain circumstances – in situations and scenarios, how they play out in a season, don't ever apologize for getting a W, and don't ever apologize for getting that W in a hostile environment, in a real, in very difficult circumstances. It's different if you're running up and down the field all day on an opponent, and you just get the ball last and you score, because you have that confidence when you get the ball that I'm scoring, they didn't stop me all all game. But do it when self doubt creeps in, and you hadn't done crap for three and a half quarters to still dig down deep and show some guts and some fortitude to drive down the field and score when all you've known is failure to that point, that's different than doing it when, like I said, you know, 42 to to 36, you know, Auburn's been scoring on Cal all game and it just so happens Auburn gets the ball back with two and a half minutes. We've all seen that. We know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to go down there and score. Let's hope they don't score too early. We didn't get that. I didn't get that feeling. You know, Saturday night, I'm like, good God, can we cross midfield that last drive? So that that's where it's harder to do it when you failed all game and you've got to deep, deep, really dig deep down and go, i got to do something I haven't done all game. And they did that. So you, you can build on that if you're playing a fourth-quarter game later in the year against an, SC, against an SEC opponent and you're down four and your offense hadn't been moved. You can say, well, we've done this before. Let's go out and do it again. 
You're speaking facts, Daryl, and I absolutely love it. Daryl Dappert's joining us on the phone lines as he does every single Tuesday at 3.30 here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Daryl, you've been watching Auburn football for a long time, and I've posed this question, and I'm really curious on what your answer is. We know the Auburn defense on Saturday against Cal. They are the reason Auburn won. Guys like Eugene Asante and and just uh, so many guys on that defense are the reason that Auburn was in that game and ultimately won the football game. When uh, when's the last time you saw an Auburn defense play a game like that where they just did not bend, they did not break, they were just stone cold solid from first snap to last snap. When's the last time you saw an Auburn defense have a performance like that? It would have to be in the early stages of, you know, when Kevin Steele started to to cobble together a, a pretty good defense and I would say you know, there were that to me the the game, the elimination game, the the get voted off the island game, the the survivor game between Gus Malzahn and Les Miles in 2016, and that might have been Muschamp, but I don't know. But that game against LSU, that they LSU scored with no time, you know, they didn't get the ball snapped or whatever in time, and it was just field goal after field goal. Auburn's defense played really good that game. They bent, but they didn't break. It was just they were giving up field goals. That reminded me of this game, and then Auburn scored late and held on, but, of course, it was a field goal, not a touchdown. That reminded me a little bit of it, and then as Steele kind of emerged, I'm trying to think there was a in, in, in a one-score game, there was a, a game, an SEC game, and it might have been a Mississippi State game or an Ole Miss game where uh, it was. It was the um, – Sean Shiver's tip finger ball. Yeah, game yeah, yeah, in yeah. The COVID year that against Ole Miss, that that they kind of did. You know, they really bottled up that 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 offensive Ole Miss and did not allow them to get going. And then don't forget, later in the year, they shut down Leach in the air raid game, at the last game before Gus got fired at Mississippi State in Starkville. That defense played really, really good that game. So it's been flashes. I've not seen the defense play this way under Derek Mason or under um, the other guy that Auburn had last year as a defensive coordinator. His name is it Schmetting. Yeah, Schmetting. Mm-hmm. Um, those two guys. But let's be honest: the the, the 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 paramount defensive performance that I think Auburn played come to comes to mind now. Come to think of it, was the Alabama game in two thousand. 21. I mean, they kept that. That was a a dominant defensive performance, and the defense did everything they could. The reason why I didn't mention it, the reason why I said it didn't happen in the Harson era, is because Auburn didn't win the game. I'm talking about a game where Auburn's defense won the ball game for you, and they, you know, obviously they didn't. They gave up that last drive. So I'd say Ole Miss, Mississippi State in 2020, and then probably that LSU game in 2016 were the last times I've seen. Auburn's defense propelling them to winning a football game. Those are all really, really good examples. I came up with, with, and I think it's a great way to put it because sometimes we've seen Auburn's defense play, but you didn't get the win. And I look at 2019 LSU, and I look at 2019 Florida, where that defense was unbelievable. You held the Joe Burrow offense to, what, 23, 24 points, and you still lost the football game. Um, And you went on the road to Florida, too, and had a chance to win, and the offense couldn't do anything. So uh, just a a fantastic defense. Well, Williams doesn't step out of bounds, too, there. Remember that? Yeah. He, he's playing oh. at Arizona right now, and I, I 
when I stay up to watch Pac-12 after dark, I have to, like PTSD watching him <laughs> on the floor. Because every time I watch him run and like break free, I'm like, well, Joker's gonna step out of bounds. Here we go, because he's still <laughs> he's like the third tailback at Arizona, and I'm like, I cannot get away from this kid. Oh man, you know. But yeah, he. He uh, that was a, and then Derek Brown I think ran out of gas on yeah. a fumble recovery as well. Oh, so didn't he get the, the turf? Was, the turf monster got the him. Turf got, the turf monster got him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. brutal man. Well, hey, right before I let you go, I know we're running a little long here. Moving forward for Auburn, you're two and zero. You gotta you gotta hang your hat on that. There's a lot of teams that can't say that, Daryl. You're two and zero. You've got Sanford this weekend. The road game at Texas A&M next week looms large, but maybe not as bad as it looked before. What's next for Auburn? What do they got to do this weekend and beyond to keep being successful? Get get the continuity and the flow and the and the organization back in their offense. Get some things, some good feelings going, some good mojo, some flow. Get a lot of guys some snaps. But overall, just be sharp and surgical on offense as you go into College Station because Texas A&M with this Shamar James situation and driving and them losing that game, to Miami, they may be in disarray. You may be able to catch them at the exact right time if you're Auburn. Go in there with all the tools in your tool belt and you hitting on all cylinders, just worrying about Auburn because you may be catching A&M at the right time. And if you win that game and go to 4-0, who knows? It could be a very interesting Western Division race. Not only 4-0, Daryl, 4-0 when Georgia comes to town, to Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's going to be uh, – there's Lit. potential for it to be <laughs> awesome. You better believe it. Daryl yeah. Dapperich yeah. joins me every Tuesday at 3.30 here during On the Line. Daryl, as always, brother, I look forward to this every single week, and you're such a great guy, great friend, and you do a wonderful job in all the different things that you are involved in. Let everybody know where they can find you, keep up with you, and if they can keep up with you, you're doing so much nowadays. Well, first of all, I'll be sitting next to you in the press box Saturday. Very yes. much looking forward to that. We had a great time. I'll bring the snacks. All right. um, I've got Friday, the uh, a show, regular Friday guest on Locked on Auburn with Zach, and then we do Zach Blackman, and then we do the reaction show after the game that posts Sunday morning. Monday mornings at 7.10 on WANI, and then with you, Tuesdays at 3.30. Awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate your time taking it out here in the afternoons to join me every single Tuesday. And yes, I will see you Saturday in the press box and uh, we'll have a backpack full of food, man. Yes, we will. I, I'm bringing snacks. I need to get, <laughs> uh, I need to stay definitely full of nutrients. Yes, and a late game at that. Hey, Daryl, appreciate you, man. I'll see you All Saturday, right, brother. brother. That is Daryl Daprich. He joins me every single Tuesday. I-, I love that man so much. He is just he's so great at what he does. He's such a good guy and he's always willing and giving of his time. And and look, he will give you his thoughts and opinions on Auburn no matter what. Good, bad, ugly, pretty, doesn't matter. He will tell you what he thinks about it, and I love having him on the show. Go follow him on Twitter. Uh, he covers the games. He joins Zach Blackerby on Locked on Auburn on Fridays as well, um, and he's on with Ben Taylor, like you mentioned, on News Talk WANI 98.7 on Monday morning. So that's Double D, Daryl Dapperich. We'll come back, wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. As always, huge shout out and thank you to uh, Daryl Dapperich, who uh, joins me every single Tuesday at 3.30 here on the show. He's been talking, watching, covering Auburn football 
for a long, long time, um, and just a great friend of mine that I, I'm so thankful for him to uh, to be on the show every single week. I hope you enjoy that interview as much as I do because Daryl's so exciting, so fun, and so unique in, in the way that he breaks things down and talks about certain things. So uh, he joins me every Tuesday at 3.30 here on the show. Um, been a great show. It has flown by today. Um, we've talked college football from week two and reactions um, and some of the biggest storylines going on in college football. We talked uh, the Auburn quarterback situation and what Auburn has to do moving forward if they want to continue to win and how they're going to get better because there's some big games coming up over the next few weeks. So we talked a lot about those things, had some great phone calls in the first hour, also played you uh, part of the uh, Hugh Freeze press conference from yesterday. Not all of it, but got some of it in there, uh, including his opening statement and some questions from myself, Bill, and Dan. Uh, so be sure uh, that you go back and listen to that or any other parts of the show. And then, of course, my interview with Daryl Dappert. So all that was here on today's show. If you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com and just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Hey, coming up tomorrow on the show, Rivalry Wednesday, we'll talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about the Georgia Bulldogs as they played their first big game of the year against South Carolina. And we'll talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central, get his reactions to Alabama losing to Texas by 10 at home on Saturday. They're in Tuscaloosa. That and a whole lot more on Rivalry Wednesday tomorrow, 2 to 4, here on ESPN during the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Great show today. I'm having so much fun. I hope you are as well. Stay tuned. Bill and Dan coming up for the drive. I'm going to Auburn's practice. We'll talk about that tomorrow as well. Two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Until tomorrow, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.